Welcome to the Unusual Podcast. Hi, Dila. Well, um, thank you so much for this chat. Um, Dila, you are Creative Technology and Innovation Director at BBH USA. And I met you a few years ago when I was organizing GIF Fest and you were one of the panel speakers. And I'll never forget how you'd had, um, and you'd been involved in an accident yeah. and you had a neck brace and you still showed up to, to honor your kind of, you know, your commitments to being on that panel. And I was just so amazed by that. Um, I just thought, wow, you know, how, what a professional you, you could have, you know, you had every excuse not to show up, but you didn't, it was amazing. And I've watched you, um, you know, kind of uh, grow from, from Singapore and now you're in LA and, and it's amazing. And I've seen people, young girls write to you and you're an inspiration to them. And so I'm really honored to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you, Tonya. Thank you for having me. Um, it's my pleasure and it's also an honor to be in your podcast. So um, let me let me just start. You've had a really um, amazing, amazing journey. Um, you studied uh, communication design at LaSalle. Um, and then you also did a Master of Technology in Computer Science at Stanford. Um, and finally, you've done communication design at RMIT. So I'm really interested to know how have those studies um developed your your sensibilities in design and in technology yeah definitely so I guess like in these three different schools like learning very different things at the crux of it all um, design thinking was in the middle of it um, that have really like helped me and follow me and whatever I do whenever any task comes in hand it's all about the iterative process you know the um, need to understand the user challenge assumptions like how to redefine problems um, by identifying like strategies and solutions so it's very much like because it's also the same when it comes to both design and technology it's all about you know empathizing your users you know how you define the users needs their problem insights you know your target audience and then you then you come to like ideating like and finding innovative solutions and then that's like you know basically like when it comes to evaluating an idea or something like what I have learned throughout the three this, this three different school is like you ask yourself beyond whether this actually looks good or not but it, it's like is it purposeful is it meaningful or is it entertaining and this three like I don't know like three mantras or something like that is something that I also tell my team like when we evaluate an idea are we doing this just for tech for tech's sake? Um, how is this meaningful? How is this purposeful? And how is this entertaining? And basically, like finding purpose and it all crux under design thinking have basically helped me from you know studying in those three different schools and uh, for me to bring along in everything I do now. Wow, amazing. So do you find you have to train a lot of people in design thinking, that being team members and also clients? Yeah, 100%. So especially like with clients, sometimes I'm down to also doing like um, like design thinking, um, like exercises with them or like workshops as well sometimes because we are so used to I guess back in Singapore, it was always either black or white, but not the grace in between and not about 
you know, let's explore like beyond the horizon. There might be ways to solve things. There's always more than one way to solve things, things like that. And also it's almost like design thinking is very right and left brain because especially um, with my team members who are more like artistic and things like that, they do need sometimes a bit help in the analytical part or the research and development part and stuff like that. So thankfully from the three different schools, I really learned how to unlock my right and left brain um, that I think helps a lot um, in what I do. Wow, yeah. So Dila, can you give us an example of a, of a project that you've worked on and, and take a, talk us through your process? Yeah, 100%. So I think one of like the pro- project that, you know, I really love um, and like, it's like, you know, it's the, it's the project that I said that, you know, um, like seconds before I die, if like, you know, my life flashes me by, I will think about this project. Um, it will be Nike Hypercard um, because this project was, you know, not just for like selling a product and things like that. There was like meaning to it and purpose to it. And it was also entertaining. So what, what the project was, was that, um, it all started out with an insight um, that, you know, our strategy director was, you know, discovered. And, you know, she said that, you know, the kids in the Philippines, they really love basketball, but, you know, they are not great at it. Like, yes, you know, they can probably shoot some hoops, but they cannot defend, they cannot, like, um, dribble and things like that. Um, and then we decided to, you know, research why is that so? And we discovered it was because that you know basketball training wasn't democratic it was just reserved I guess for the boys if you know you're in an elite school or for the rich but never for the girls never you know for you know the everyday son and daughter and you know you might ask like well you know there are apps and things like that right but um like things like youtube and things like that they are using really old school phone like old school android phone so they are not like able to you know have 4g and 5g so it's on 3g and things like that so there's just so many things that are stopping them from being great in the sports in the sport basketball that they they love so much So what we did was, you know, partnering up um, with Google because Google Next Billion Users team actually have um, this this product called um, the Accelerator. And what the Accelerator does basically is that you can use any phone. You don't need to download any app. It's almost like a hotspot. You can sync up to it and you can view any basically YouTube videos in 5G, you know, HD, like 5K, sorry, HD, no latency. So we, what we then, you know, did was basically to find a way um, to actually hack it so that it become a coach in a pocket that, you know, like kids can just go um, onto the court and we also paint it in a mural so you know where to stand to do certain trainings. So all I need to do is have my phone, Uh, stand on a court and then basically tap and like okay this is how I block this is how I dribble um, and things like that it was a proactive project that the clients didn't ask for but we managed to you know find a budget um, for it um, based on you know repurposing something they wanted to do just a roadshow for and we're like what if we do a roadshow and a test for the product so we ended up um, testing it during a roadshow and the results were tremendous and and the clients was like okay here's 
a bag of money now digitize naya records in the philippines and basically do that and what have been most rewarding is that our daily active users are actually girls under 18 and we found out that you know two girls that have been using hypercot since four years ago they now got basically a scholarship for basketball and that is like that that is my dream brief and still my dream project even like after four years because it's an evergreen thing but it's also because you know as much as you can find ways to do brand love by like here's an ad here's an ad but there's also ways that you know you can find purpose and meaning and give back I guess to the society in a way that the brand love will just evolve yeah, that, that's an amazing story. So Dila, how when you were doing the testing, how did you measure the 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 success of that? Yeah, it was both like very much data driven and also me being there. Like I think I was there like about six months in the Philippines that, you know, I ended up they call it, calling me foreign ate, which is a foreign auntie or foreign sister. Um, and um, it's a lot of you know, because like when you're also designing for the user and stuff like that, you you look at, you know, like the things that they're looking at, the things they're liking, the apps that they are playing, the games that are playing. So like we design it to be very much like an RPG game um, in which the, um, the, and that was when like, I also see them trying um, basically our prototype and like asking them what works and what doesn't work and stuff like that. And in terms of other than that, we really, make sure that every data point, you know, it's not just, oh, how many users and things like that, but really analytically looking at what's their drop-off point, when are they coming back again, like what dates are they coming back again, um, and which um, also like which training program um, do they keep repeating on uh, and things like that. And it became extremely like, yeah, interesting because I feel that sometimes with data, we just assume and we, we might get it wrong. So it was very much a mixture of both data and like hand in hand, like um, in real life interview that I, I feel that helped us get to quite a success, successful product. Wow. And, and Dila, have you managed to, uh, when you talk about those three pillars, uh, the purpose, um, entertaining, and what's the third one? Uh, meaning. Meaningful, yeah. yeah. Um, do you find that um, th that resonates with clients? Yeah, hundred percent. Because like it's almost a new set of KPI for them. Because whenever you know they have like KPIs, it's been very much like sell X amount of something, or sometimes it's even as vague as we need to make this viral or this needs to be award winning. But then you know I'll always say like, hey, let's step back. Um, award winning, award winning can means a lot of things. But you know like when like I feel that the golden ratio almost. Is like meaningful purposeful and entertaining it, it's great to get at least one of it but it would be like you know a jackpot if you get all three of it and usually they get it you need to probably like explain to them and show them works you know like the glass um like like cancelling glass and stuff like that awards like those are the stuff that are all very much like each of the projects that won, like I guess this year, you can say that all of them have meaningful, purposeful and entertaining um, on it. So then with, with the example, then sometimes the clients are like, oh, okay, yeah, that's a new set of KPIs that we should put 
when we're judging a project um, or yeah, um, a product or whatever it is as well. And is there what do the clients struggle with the purposeful part of it? Is the purpose yeah. what they feel should be their mission as an organization, what they stand for? Mm -hmm. Or how how is that? Can you expand a bit on that pillar? Yeah, for sure. I think it was a little bit hard, but you know, when the pandemic comes and things like that, they realize that trying to be to have brand affinity and basically brand love is more important because people might not be able to spend money on you now, but once they have, they will. So now they basically like a lot of brands, as you can see, sometimes they're trying to be like performative and things like that. And, and um, consumers can really smell that now. So like being purposeful and having like a brand ethos and, you know, like now even like Nike and stuff like that with their CSR, they're making campaigns out of it and things like that. So it's it definitely have evolved, especially I guess in America where you know like all brands now the consumers expect you to have like a purpose. You stand for something. You stand for equality. You stand for you know woman empowerment and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, that if you don't like yeah people might just buy you because it's cheap. Then it means that the next time somebody else have a sale they will jump on board. But when you know this whole purpose and brand affinity, um, it. it really like the clients now are more and more realizing that 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 actually is that anchor that would make customers be returning customers and does that um, involve um, more departments other than just marketing within big organizations do they need to start bringing in the the csr teams and the public policy teams and does that make make your your job a bit more complicated or easier yeah yeah, um, actually more complicated, definitely is, but it will be actually, even though it's like very complicated, it, it turns out even more rewarding mm -hmm. um, because, yeah, it's because then like, it also shows that like if a lot of people want to be a part of it, it means it, they really care. Um, but it also means there's a lot of, you know, checkbox that you need to mark on um, um, and things like that. So yeah, we have seen sometimes like even down to like logistics and stuff like that will be involved and wanting to have a say. But you, it's almost like you, you, you can see that as, you know, a glass half full kind of thing, right? Yes, it's complicated or no, you are getting all this data to get into this like really great idea that would not only like be successful internally for the clients but you know for their consumers as well. So Dila do you involve the clients um, in your idea generation phase at the beginning in the, the design thinking research do you involve them? Yeah it depends it depends on the client like um, on a perfect day on a perfect project yes you would definitely do that um, I will usually work with the strategies um, in which then you know we will work with the clients to to make sure that you know this is the strategy and the direction that we want to take to the next step into uh, ideation and ideation thinking so usually during that time I'll, I'll be involved with you know chatting with the clients as well on here's uh you know some of the tension points that we should be thinking about the design thinking um you know like let's let's define who are actually the users and the problems that you really really want to solve what what are the things that keep you up at night you know and any special insights that we could use um when we ideate um, a solution for you 
Got it. Wow. And um, Dila, so in terms of technology uh, moving so fast, how do you uh, keep abreast of developments? Yeah, I have this habit um, that I do uh, every day. It's like a rule that I um, learn at least one new thing a day. Um, and it's usually like um, in the verse of technology, it's like a must for me now. Like if I drink water every day, I'll make sure I learn one new thing a day. Um, and um, yeah, it's 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 it has been really helpful because I'll make sure that I don't just read it, but you know, I really understand what it is. I'll make a note. Um, I have a Slack channel with my team in which that I will I will almost if if a day that I'm slacking off, they can say, Hey, what's what's the thing that you're learning here today? And then like I'm like, oh, today I learned XYZ, blah, blah, blah. Like today I literally just learned about how we can use recycled plastic to create prosthetic limbs and arms. So I'm like, why aren't people doing more of it? That's like, I'm already like thinking like which clients of mine can do this um, and things like that. So um, yeah, and I, I usually read quite um, a bit. And also I have this very open, like um, let's learn from everybody um, kind of like, um, like relationship with my team. So we we are on each other on like, okay, what's new that we could learn today and stuff like that. And bi-monthly, I will do um, basically a newsletter, um, sometimes for my clients, sometimes for us internally, just like, hey, these are the things that we learn and we could apply for and things like that. And because of creating that habit, it's just like help. It becomes second nature and um, not so much of a chore. Wow, that's amazing, Dila. So how long will you spend learning and where, which kind of resources will you use? Yeah, like it depends on what it is because there are times that um, if it's like, oh, I just like learn a new platform that comes and things like that, I can go down on a rabbit hole and test every single feature and it would take like about an hour or so. But there are times that usually on an average is about learning something like 30 minutes. I think I read that to learn something, it can take like 24 minutes or something like that. So I usually spend about 30 minutes just to understand it. Of course, to master it, I think you need like 20 hours or 40 hours or something like that, or two weeks. Um, so yeah, like um, that's 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 the time I usually spend. Sorry, you asked one more question. I forgot what it is. <laughs> um, what did I ask? I also forgot, but I'm very... So Dila, do, does this include software as well? Um, yeah, so no, not including software. But I also do like um, in terms of software and things like that, sometimes I would need like more time. So if I find a new software, I will like take at least like 30 minutes a day for like a week or two just to like understand what it is and really try out, watch YouTube videos and see what people are talking about and trying it and things like that. Because a big part of my job is educating myself. And Dila, do you find you can you can stay on top by by that habit? I'm I mean, you, or, or do you sometimes find that it's um, overwhelming the amount of new stuff that's coming out? Yeah, it can get overwhelming, but I'm like quite the quite a geek. I find it like wow, like every time I learn something new that I don't know, I get kind of excited about it and start thinking about oh, what what can I do with, about it? What what can I yeah, like I have then you know like a 
uh, I guess, a system of sort in which that all of the great stuff that I learned, I would put it and archive it in, in like a Google slide with like text. So next time when I get a new brief, I can just like find um, basically based on that text and things like that. So it helps. So it's almost like just building a library of knowledge. And so like if someone asks me something, I'm like, oh, hold on, I think I've seen this. And then, yeah. That's an amazing habit. Do you think that's translated to your team as well? Are they doing yeah, that? I think some of them are. Some of them are like, oh, come on. Like, no, it's like too much work. But like a couple of them are like, hey, you know, I, I follow what you're doing and I'm finding it helpful. And I go like, oh, that's great. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, that, that is amazing. Um, so Dila, when it comes to technology, what comes first, the idea or, or the technology? You said, for example, some clients yeah. come to you, they want a video to go viral, or I, yeah. um, I've had clients come to me, they want VR or AR. Um, yeah. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, um, I think that, you know, whether it's like um, idea, idea or tech, right? That's what you asked. So I feel that um, it's actually purpose if I'm going to be different about it like I think it should start with purpose especially I think similar to the design thinking that I was talking about it's like what are you trying to solve what is the goal then the technology comes in with the idea together because like once you know that then you're like okay that's the user audience what can be done so then or maybe you use TikTok because you can hack for this idea and things like that so I feel that it's always like the purpose that comes first and then the idea and technology comes in together got it so what if your client comes to you and they they say oh we want to sell a new product how do you get them beyond that thinking to purpose if their purpose is to sell yeah then you're like okay what what do you want to um how much do you want to sell what do you want to sell like what's the purpose of your product that you if there's like three things that you want people to take away from or like will be the main like um the main like reason on why they want to build it what are they and then because from that it's like oh do you want them to be more liberated with creative tools or stuff like that and then that is where you're like oh okay actually this is how you can come up with that idea or this technology will work out um work best or this platform will work best in showing creative liberation or etc yeah so yeah amazing so you do get clients that come to you and you struggle to find that kind of purpose or um do you do the clients who come to you have some sort of uh, creative inkling in the first place yeah, not not all of them, to be honest. Yeah, like there there are some um that you know like yeah no um do not have um yeah basically any any idea or thoughts on why they are doing what they want, and from that you usually try to spend time with them a little bit as well, just to find almost that heart, that human aspect of like, like thinking that you can get from them. Um, especially when those um, clients are, are like that, you usually end up talking to them and asking them like, what keeps you up at night? Like, how can I help you in your career and things like that? Because sometimes like some clients, they'll be like, oh, I just want to create, you know, 
big stuff that gets me to transfer to another office and stuff like that. And sometimes from there, then you can manage to like find ways to still find that, you know, almost reason why you are doing um, a certain thing that we do. Like, because we are not artists, right? Like, you know, what we do are basically having a target audience and helping to solve something. So when we just do something for just like, tech for tech sake or advertising for advertising sake I feel you know it, it makes it less meaningful like yeah when you cannot find that point of difference so usually even though they don't come with that point of of you you'll try to you know still find and dig like inside them to see um how we can um, basically get to that space to make really um yeah purposeful or entertaining work yeah, and, and it's interesting that you say it can sometimes even be just at the individual level of the clients. Yeah. Um, what are some exciting trends in creative technology? Yeah, there's a bunch like of trends that, um, you know, uh, that like I know like a lot of people would like expect me, I don't know, to say NFTs or whatever it is. But I, I feel that something that people should still be, you know, aware of and thinking about is still AI and machine learning. I know like it have already like received a lot of buzz like in the past decade and things like that. But it's somehow still evolving and it's like really continuing to be like one of the new technology trends because of its very notable effect, you know, like how it's now, people think like, oh no, I don't trust AI and things like that. But how we live, work and play now are all like using AI. Just like think about, you know, speech recognition, like Google Lens or, you know, navigation apps like Waze or Google Maps, you know, like Siri, Alexa, even like Grab, Uber and things like that. Those all use AI and machine learning. And, you know, like, it, what, what's so great about it is that, you know, it actually have the ability to just analyze your interaction and like just then have all these connections and insights that like, you know, you see how now AI is being used in health diagnosis. For example, one of the reasons why the COVID, COVID vaccination could roll out very fast because AI, there was a way that, you know, AI can detect like symptoms and things like that, um, which, you know, a regular human would take like weeks, if not months. And also, you know, there, there are also other than that, um, like health diagnosis or uh, things like that. There's also like for entertainment stuff, just look at, you know, the rise of virtual influencers and things. And when you look at the job scope right now or the demand for jobs, that's like a high rise of a need, especially in the Silicon Valley for AI engineers, AI architect, architect and stuff like that. So yeah, I feel like that's that's definitely one of the trends. And then um, something else that I guess um, would be worth like taking a note on because it's going to get even more and more better um, is VR, AR, and MR. Um, yes, you know, like people would say, oh, virtual reality since total recall, but, you know, it's just have, have increased like leap and bounds. Like with virtual reality, you know, you can experience like this computer generated world with image and sounds. And like, you can basically manipulate objects and like move around with like, I don't know, controllers or like console um, and headsets and stuff like that. And headsets and controllers are now even more and more 
more affordable and you know there is a reason why you know like facebook and things like that are spending billions of dollars on oculus and stuff and building all these platforms so i think that's going to be crazy cool and also you know with ar like everybody now have a smartphone so everyone uses it like every day in terms of like instagram filters and stuff like that to see how smart it is getting right now like you can basically measure the height of someone or like know where the sun is coming so that your plant can grow better just all via ar and also like then it comes to like mixed reality right it's like it's just so crazy how it's like the interaction between computers human and the environment and how you can manipulate both physical and virtual items and stuff like that it's crazy like there's this startup called ai uh AI basically that does mix reality that you know are creating like holograms and things like that um during the sundance festival and it's like with mixed reality it's like what i dream of as a kid or when i i was like wow the star wars layer princess layer hologram those are all the things that are happening right now and it's all because of you know the mix of vr ar mr and also ai and things like that and it's just gonna unlock a whole lot lot of things and if i can add one more trend <laughs> if that's okay um is that the metaverse that's something that the clients also are now like suddenly asking like what can we do in the metaverse and and you know, not like, yeah, like meta being beyond in Greek and verse being the short form of universe. You know, everybody's like just talking about it. And it's all about how can we create this virtual shared space, right? Like um, to basically find a way that blends realities in real time. Like, yes, when you talk about metaverse, you always just think about the Fortnite, Roblox and Minecraft of the world. But it's also like, how do you catalyze it? Like there's so many communications you can work with it, like virtual influencers, NFTs and things like that. It all belong to like, I guess, another planet um, that, you know have just like been super popular because of the pandemic people just need an escapism to somewhere else and the metaverse is i think something um that is pretty much a trend right now wow amazing Nila. that that was uh quite mind-blowing are you a I'm gamer? sorry for the, the oh yes i am <laughs> you are a gamer yeah um, so I, I think I, I want to finish off by talking about the, the young generation um, that may be graduating now, let's say a design graduate. Um, how, what advice would you give them, especially this yeah. generation that are going into the world of machines and working with machines? Um, what advice would you give? Yeah. Um, don't be intimidated by the machines, um, number one, because basically your target audience and who you're working for or working um, with are always humans. So don't forget to be a human, you know, like every time, like be a sponge, like that's also like this thing that Sir John Haggerty said that always sticks with me. And he's like, um, he said that how headphones are bad for like young creatives because it eliminates influence. I think he said was like, if you walk around cutting yourself off, you are 
eliminating influence, you are eliminating possibility, you are not going to pick up stories, ideas, thoughts, and things that are happening around you. And I, I totally agree with that. It's about like, you know, it's about keeping your eyes peeled. It's about, that's the thing that AI doesn't have, like, um, the sense of wonder um, and to, you know, just look around and find opportunities uh, in everything. If you see, you know, somebody struggling, um, is that actually an opportunity to inspire to solve something creatively, like pick up on habits, pick up on trends, you know, the kind, the best kind of ideas and projects for, you know, creatives and things like that. It's always when, yeah, it, it's basically human focus. Um, so Dila, I will, the only other thing I'll need is some book recommendations from you. Oh, I do have a couple. Do you want me to just talk yes, about yes, it now? Yes, yes, go for it. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's this book that I really like, um, which almost linked back to all this, like living in a machine world and things like that. It's called Hello World, How to Be Human in the Age of Machine um, by Hannah Fry. Um, I, I really like it because it's like a literary tour of like the good, the bad, the ugly side of algorithms that, you know, are around us. Like I, um, it also done in a way that is written that is very humorous and light and it's it's great you know if you're unfamiliar with like the technical aspects of AI uh, this book really you know like uh, like basically covers the like best lay explanations of how algorithm works um it's it's like yeah it's have great storytelling as well though it's a non-fiction book and i i my my copy have a lot of highlighted stuff because i learned something on um every page um and then i think that because i know i talk about being human a lot and things like that i actually love anthropology and also digital anthropology and things like that so a good 101 on just understanding like humans and target audience and things like that would be like how to think like an anthropologist by Matthew Engelk um, you know it's just full of like surprising information that it recommends you and makes you think about the nuances of you know the human cultures ritual values and identity it really helps like broaden my mind when it comes to like creating like for a target audience that is and me um yeah and and also i guess something else is that if i have one more last book to recommend it would be creative selection inside apple's design process during the golden age of Stephen Jobs by uh, Ken Koshienda. Um, you know, like some people are like, oh, not another book of how Apple works or how iPhone was made. But I think what was great about this project, especially if you, you know, um, the listeners, uh, listeners who, you know, have an inkling to want to do their own tech startup and things like that, there's a lot of great nuggets of information and lessons about why and how Apple is, you know, always consistently creative and innovative. Wow, amazing. Thank you so much, Dila. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I really enjoy it.